church. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes 3 today, if you would open there. I'm going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 8. For everything, there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And if you would skip down to verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. This is the word of the Lord. If you have a watch, would you mind looking at it? You don't have to take it off or anything like that. Yep, thank you. Digital, analog, doesn't matter. We're gonna watch the second hand. Tick, 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 right along, okay? Now, try to imagine something that's really hard to comprehend. In about 30 seconds, when we get here, we're all still gonna be in this room. Our, our future selves will still be here. That's, that's a moment that's coming, but we can't really comprehend that, can we? It's coming, but, and it's gonna be here, but, but it's still out there. All right, what do you think you'll be thinking at that point? Probably something similar, but something slightly different. Here's what we're gonna do as we get here. We're gonna see if we can capture that moment. Okay, two, one. It's already gone. So that future moment we were just talking about that, that we couldn't even comprehend is already behind us, as is that moment and that moment and that moment. And it's interesting, too, because as, as much as we were trying to anticipate and even look forward to that future moment, now it's already starting to, to fade the memory of it a little bit, isn't it? I bet you can't remember the exact words that I used when I was talking about what was gonna happen in the future. Here's something that Ecclesiastes wants us to accept today. As you might be trying to figure out why in the world are we talking about this. Part of being a creature is that everything is constantly becoming the past. Now perhaps you might think this is easy to accept. Maybe you're like, well, yeah, of course, right? Practically, I don't think that's how it plays out. I think that's why it's in the Bible, because we, we, quite frankly, don't act like that's true. What we tend to do is we tend to want to get to the top and then stay there for as long as we can, maybe forever, right? That's how we act. Let me give one example that's very poignant for me. So I'm a Cubs fan, and in 2016, 
the Cubs won the World Series. That was a really big deal. Amen. <laughs> Let's see if I can get more than one amen today. <laughs> okay, so if you're not a sports fan, they hadn't done that for over 100 years. It's a long time. Generations had come and gone and invested. I mean, the, the amount of man hours, people hours invested in the Cubs winning the World Series was crazy. Billions, maybe trillions of dollars all towards this end. And that moment at 2 a.m. Eastern time when Anthony Rizzo caught the final out, it was great. That was a really, really fun moment. Yes, it was great. And, and every single Cubs fan, and I think a lot of people who weren't Cubs fans that day, maybe even some Sox fans, some Cardinal fans, you, you might have guiltily basked in that moment. But here's what's interesting. By the next morning, that glory was already fading, wasn't it? Unless you pulled up highlights, you probably couldn't recreate every single detail of what happened the day before. And here's the real downer. Since then, five other teams have already won the World Series, and each one was committed to making sure you forgot the 2016 Chicago Cubs. Almost every single player on that team is gone, and quite frankly, now they stink. <laughs> so, if you're not a Cubs fan, pick your favorite high point of your favorite team, right? Maybe it was the Peyton Manning era. Maybe it was last time the Lions won five games or something like that. Pick, pick that moment. Try to capture it. But this is why this, this example is so, so poignant for me. I, I wondered what that moment would look like. And now it's already passed. And I could try to recreate it. Right? Recreate the glory days, and I can go watch highlights, and it is fun when I do so. And yet, with each passing year, it becomes more obvious that that is something in the past. The jerseys look a little bit out of fashion. The screen isn't as clear. Right? It's a little more grainy than what we're used to. We can't bottle up that moment. It's what Ecclesiastes calls hevel, vapor. Is this frustrating at all? I think it's supposed to be. I think Solomon wants us to sit in here for just a little bit because he wants us to, to, see, to see, I'm sorry, to see life as what it really is. And then he wants us to ask the question, what's the point then? Great, we get it. Everything fades. Everything that we're interested in seeing happen is eventually gonna pass us die. And so what is the point of living? How do we live faithfully in a frustrating world? And here's the hope we get to cling to. That's not the whole message of Ecclesiastes 3. It's only half. Because we know the whole story of the Bible. We know where Ecclesiastes fits into the whole thing. And so we know that at the exact same time, we can hold these two truths in tension. Both that everything is temporary and also, nothing is temporary. The clock keeps on ticking, everything ends, and yet God is in each and every season working towards his purposes, which never end. And so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna walk through the chapter in the two main sections, and we're gonna see how Solomon tackles each of these two ideas in order. So first idea, everything is temporary. That's 
verses one through eight, what we just read. He says, for everything, there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. So Solomon shows his hand right at the beginning, right? He, he introduces 14 pairs of opposite life experiences to illustrate for us that, that not only will every season end, but it's also baked into the cake of life, that there's rhythms and seasons that are temporary. So we have spring, we have summer, we have fall, we have winter, and then we have spring again. The sun rises, the sun sets, and we don't wonder if the sun's gonna rise again. Kids, if you're in the room, you're on summer break right now. But school's coming. <laughs> it's gonna get here. And then you'll be on summer again. And then school, all the way through the grades, until you're done. It's inevitable, that's how this works. So these, these 14 pairs, we wanna be clear, they're not meant to be an exhaustive list of every single season in life, nor are they always particularly clear exactly what they're referring to. They're general ways of talking about the fact that life keeps moving with different seasons. And, and some of these seasons are predictable, some of these seasons are unpredictable. Some of them are enjoyable, some are, are less so. Sometimes one season comes along and completely undoes the last season that you went through. So let's go through some of these and I'll, I'll comment on some as we breeze through them. A time to be born and a time to die. Here's the most basic one. You were born and you will die. Even your life is a season. And after we're gone, and even quite frankly, whether we were here or not, the sun keeps rising, the sun keeps setting, the seasons keep marching on. And so between our birth and our death, we occupy ourselves with a number of other things, other tasks, other seasons, and, and here are some of them. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. If you uh, garden or landscape, maybe you put a bush here and then the next year, you're like, actually, I want this bush over here, right? You do the work and then you've got to do the work again. Or maybe you pluck up yourself and plant yourself in a new city. You make friends, you buy a house, you paint the walls, you get them exactly the way you want them, and then the Lord moves you somewhere else and you've got to do it all over again. And it's inevitable that as much as you intend to keep up with the relationships from the last season, they start to fade a little bit. At least some of them do. Someone else moves into your house and paints it a different color. Seasons, on to the next thing. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. Sometimes we set a broken arm. Sometimes we have to amputate. Depends on the season. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. We, we get this, we know this, right? Life is not all joy, and yet it's not also all sorrow. Sometimes we laugh and cry on the exact same day. Sometimes it's unclear with my children which one they're doing at this particular moment. Maybe they're doing both. It's all part of the human experience. There's a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. Sometimes we keep our stuff, sometimes we give it away. Sometimes it's Christmas, sometimes we're taking that exact same stuff to Goodwill. It doesn't change the fact that we enjoyed it while we had it, but it's headed for Goodwill. That new car that you just got, it's gonna get dinged while you're sitting in here and you're gonna go out and there's not gonna be a note and you're gonna see a little ding and it's gonna bother you. You're gonna be like, come on. Someday, guys, you're gonna trade in that car 
or it might end up totaled. And that scratch is not gonna seem like that big of a deal at that time. Sometimes you land a great job, sometimes you get downsized. Different seasons. Two more verses, there's a time to tear, a time to sew. You would be really sad if your favorite shirt got a, you caught a snag, right, and got a hole in it. You'd be sad about that. And yet, if you had a heart attack and the paramedics needed to get to your heart and the only way was to rip that shirt off, you would be very thankful for it. Different seasons. There's a time to keep silence, a time to speak. I think we could all learn from this. There's a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Even love and peace under the sun has a time and a season because there is a place for coming up against evil and injustice. Okay, why do we need to know all this? Why do we need to kind of lower ourselves a little bit? Because quite frankly, doesn't, doesn't this make life a little bit pointless if we embrace this? Doesn't it kind of feel like we're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic? Does it matter what we do in this life if at the end we're all going down? Here's where it's important to realize Solomon presents this reality, but he doesn't say it's a bad thing. He doesn't. Solomon wants us to embrace that we are creatures. We're creatures. We're subject to forces out of our control. That's what we were praying today. We're at the mercy of the seasons, and that's what it means to be a creature. We actually fit into the created order. And so it's good that we embrace this. But we don't naturally like this. I mentioned this before, right? We, we tend to want to push back against our creatureliness. And so what Ecclesiastes 3 first has to do is deflate us a little bit, to pop the bubble of thinking that, that we can break out of being a creature, of living in seasons. But the only reason we needed to get deflated is because we were so puffed up, most of us, that we were ready to pop. So it's a gift from God to, to be a little bit deflated back down to where we need to be in our creatureliness. So you could help your neighbor with this right now. Would you turn to your neighbor and would you say you have an expiration date? Would you do that? <laughs> you have an expiration date. Yep. We're all co-laboring. It's good that we embrace this. And let me paint a picture of why. Why is it good that we embrace this? Because when we embrace that everything is temporary, it allows us to not put too much stock in what happens in this life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. We can see that there's a time and a place for everything without being too worried about either. And so when things are good, we can accept that as a gift from God instead of being so worried that the bottom's gonna drop out. Right? Trying to prolong it or squeeze as much out of it as you possibly can. And on the other hand, you can endure the bad times, knowing that it's a season. It's going to end. That's a promise from Ecclesiastes 3. However, even embracing that everything is temporary, that's, that's not an exclusively Christian message. Because you can embrace that everything is temporary and yet you could still go off in a number of different ways that remove God from the equation. And, and maybe that's you today. Maybe you're living like this. Maybe, maybe you've accepted, yeah, this is, 
This is all there is under the sun, but, but also, this is all there is. Some Christians, I think we live like this. Maybe not every second of, of every day, but as we go through the grind of life, sometimes we forget what's bigger. So I, I would argue that there's a number of different ways that we can live as if the, the first truth is the only thing that's true, that everything is temporary. But, but I'll, I'll hone in on two today because these are two that I see most often in our, our current culture. So the first is what we might call hedonism. I think Pastor Brad mentioned that last week. Hedonism is the type of person that says, this is all there is, so I'm gonna party. I'm gonna have as much fun as I possibly can because what else is there to do? This is, this is an old message. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, he says that if all this Christianity stuff is wrong, he says if the resurrection isn't gonna happen, then we might as well eat and drink for tomorrow we die. And then 2,000 years later, Kesha sings, let's make the most of the night like we're gonna die young. Same message. So that's one way we could go. And I think some of you might be. Here's another way. And it might be called humanism. Pick your term, but I'll describe what it looks like. This is the person who doesn't believe there's a final judgment either, and yet they still believe in doing good. They still believe in some kind of morality, um, that there's a, a, a reason for everything, even if this life is all there is. And so they try to be good, try to be good without God, right? That's a phrase that we hear. Um, they try to, to care for others, whatever their motivations. So, let me ask you, if, if you're more prone towards a hedonistic lifestyle and a humanistic lifestyle, either one of those, is it working? Because I'm, I'm under the impression that these were big-time worldviews that a lot of us were uh, imbibing and maybe even partially operating under. A lot of people in the world who don't know Jesus are throwing themselves into, and yet I get the impression over the last two years with COVID that those bubbles even got popped a little bit. I get the impression that there's a lot of people who are tired even of doing good and having fun. And, and I think that's because COVID laid all that bare. When you're not able to go have fun and with everything else that's happening, when, when it looks like justice is confusing and, and it doesn't always happen, it doesn't allow either of those two lifestyles to work out. And so I think a lot of people around you are getting cynical, maybe even you. That's why this sermon series is, is talking about how to live faithfully in a frustrating world. And what happens when we focus on the fact that everything's temporary and then we lose all hope for doing anything else, we, we get really cynical and then there's nothing else to do but self-medicate. And I would argue that that's how a lot of us get through the day. And self-medication means drugs, alcohol, that sort of thing, but there's a lot of other ways that we medicate just to get through the day. We immerse ourselves in fun, right, the Cubs. We immerse ourselves in work or a cause or working out or even just something mindless on our phones just to get through the day. These are all ways that we self-medicate when, when we lose hope of something beyond the temporary. And if we just want to go just a little bit lower before we come up again, it's a band called The Arcade Fire that just released an album that sounds truly like it was written by someone marinating in the last two plus years. Here's a couple of lyrics. They say, fight the fever with TV in the age when nobody sleeps and the pills do nothing for me in the age of anxiety. We can't stop crying and we really think we mean it, but the tears just fall on the sheets 
another lost soul just trying to feel something, trying to feel something, trying to feel something in the age of anxiety. I think that's the, the echo of our world right now. And yet, church, you have a hope that this guy doesn't. Neither hedonism nor humanism lasts because it involves us constantly suppressing this eternal ache that we all have in our hearts. There's a reason we can't live like this is all that there is because this is not all there is. And, and I think people know this too. That's, that's what Ecclesiastes 3 says. That's what we're gonna get to. We all have this eternal ache in our hearts. And so while people might live a certain way, the people at your school, the people at your work, the person bringing you your target pickup order, they all have an eternal ache in their hearts that doesn't let them rest in just the temporary. And that's why we need the next section. That's why Ecclesiastes 3 doesn't just teach us that everything is temporary, because it also teaches us at the exact same time that nothing is temporary. These verses, 9 through 15, they act as the lens that we can put back on the first section to make it actually possible to live faithfully in a frustrating world. I'm, I'm gonna read the whole section here. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceived that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been, that which is to be already has been, and God seeks what is driven away. What does this all mean? Solomon's asking the question, why bother? Why go through the motions of the seasons? Why deal with the frustrating reality of life? And the answer is in verse 11. He says it's because God makes everything beautiful in its time. This regularity of change, life constantly passing you by, that's actually something God blesses. God made the seasons. God controlled the seasons. He's the creator. And in verses 14 through 15, it says that it's God and his works and his ways that last forever. And, and even more than that, they always have been. God is eternal, that's what that means. It means he's always, always. That's our God who stands above and yet in time. So spring and summer and fall and winter, this is not drudgery. This is a beautiful repetition. This is creation guided by an eternal creator. And so work and rest and alternating proportions that are proper, this, this is really, really good. Because nothing was made to last forever. He didn't, he didn't do that. And so we can't make 
any single one of these seasons do what they were never meant to do. It'd be improper. It's not gonna work. It's gonna be straining. And yet here's the rub. This is why it's hard to live. Because in verse 11, it points out that we're creatures, but we're made to live for eternity, right? We're, we're at the same time temporary and eternal. We're finite and infinite, and everybody around you knows it. And at the same time, God does not let us in, in this life, under the sun, see the whole picture of what's to come. We're left wondering what our future's gonna hold. We're left even wondering about why certain circumstances are happening right now. And so that's a tension, right? That's a tension, knowing that there's an eternal, knowing that we're made for it, and yet needing to live properly right now exactly where we are. And Ecclesiastes 3 solves this tension, and we're thankful for that. In verses 12 through 13, it gives us a solution. It says we lower ourselves from trying to figure God out. We stop trying to break free from this cycle, and we submit ourselves to the theme that's echoed over and over and over again in Ecclesiastes, and that's this. Be joyful. Do good for as long as you have. Enjoy each season for as long as God gives it to you. And honor God in the midst of it. Have a higher purpose. And yet, to do this, to embrace what, how we're supposed to live under the sun, requires that we recognize that every season is a gift from God. That's what's missing. That's what's missing when we try hedonism, when we try humanism, when we get depressed and cynical. We forget that, yes, we're temporary, but also that every season is a gift that God blesses. So then this is the key, right? This is the key that makes Ecclesiastes 3 both livable but also wonderful. This is not all there is. We've embraced that, right? God is controlling the seasons and the rhythms, which means there is a reason for your toil. Even things that seem meaningless, there's a reason for them because God and his purposes and his ways actually last forever. And so what we do under the sun may fade. Your good works today won't be something that anyone can truly bottle up and capture and, and make happen on this life over and over and over and over and over again. And yet at the same time, what you do in this life will truly ripple for eternity. And this is where the gospel becomes very apparent in Ecclesiastes. You have to connect it a little to the New Testament because we know the whole picture. But enjoying life in light of eternity implies that we're gonna have a good eternity, right? Because if our takeaway from Ecclesiastes, again, is, is simply you die, it, it doesn't add the fact that when we die, we're gonna face judgment. And when we do, no matter how much we enjoy this life, no matter how much we embrace that everything's temporary, no matter how much we throw ourselves into squeezing as much as we can out of this life, we have to know we are rotten to the core. And if we rejected Christ, we would trade every pleasure on this earth for just a small taste of eternity with him. And yet, 
there was a creature, a creature like us, who lived life under the sun in exactly the way that God intended a creature to live. And that creature is also the creator. Jesus bridges the gap between the temporary and the eternal. And when he lived here as a creature bound by spring and summer and fall and winter, he he did exactly what Ecclesiastes told him to do. He enjoyed life, he obeyed God, and then he sacrificed himself on our behalf. So now we can have security in knowing that when we get to judgment day, if we know Jesus, if we traded our life for his, we can have absolute positive satisfaction and confidence that God will credit every good thing that Jesus did to us and will forgive us for every evil thing that we did, every way we did not obey what Ecclesiastes 3 said. So because we have confidence on judgment day, because we know this is not all there is and what's coming is really, really good, we can enjoy life. We can make our whole lives about obeying and loving and honoring and glorifying God. We don't have to strive anymore. We don't have to give up. We don't have to despair because we know that there's a God who's ordering and moving this whole world towards its intended purpose even if we can't always see it. And that's why living life under the sun well takes remembering that there is someone over the sun that we will meet someday. We must remember the eternal if we are to live in the temporary. So, we hold these truths in tension. Everything is temporary, but also nothing is temporary. Everything and nothing is temporary. That's our takeaway for today. We need both perspectives to live life under the sun. Now these last verses, 16 through 22, actually show us two different examples of frustrations that come from living in this world. It's uh, something that when we take our new lens of the fact that everything and nothing is temporary and, and apply it to these circumstances, life makes a little bit more sense and yet not totally and completely, but it at least makes it livable. We don't have time to read through it right now. I suggest that you do that in your personal times or with your family, but I could summarize. First, Solomon asks the question, he says, what if justice is perverted or slow? That's a big question. And he answers, because everything's temporary, injustice, even injustice will not last forever. But because nothing is temporary, every evil deed, will be brought to justice someday. Second, Solomon then observes that often life can seem meaningless, right? We can look around and go, man, this just does not make sense at all. And and he makes an observation. He says, hey, as far as I can see, when I look at people and I look at animals, they're all gonna die. They're all gonna go to the exact same place. And he makes a comment saying that, who knows whether the spirit of man goes up or goes down, I think what he's simply referring to is is life as we can see it. As far as we can see when we're just looking at each other, it's really hard to tell the difference between a plant and a person. And yet we know, 
we know that plants and people are different. That's all the way back in Genesis 1. We don't even need the New Testament to be reminded that people alone are made in the image of God. And so, how do we live when it seems like life itself can, can be a little arbitrary and meaningless? Well, because we are temporary, we have to remember, just like our dog, we can't take it with us. We're no different. And yet, unlike our dog, if you're a Christian, you have a special relationship with the eternal God. You get to share in his plan for eternity right here, right now, in all the earthiness and the grittiness and the fleshiness of life under the sun. It's not just about getting to the next life. God's got purposes for you right now. So, if everything and nothing is temporary, what would it look like if we applied that same lens back on our verses about the different seasons? What would it look like to embrace both of those truths in tension? Here's what it would do. Think about this as you go through your week. Here's what it would do if you embrace that everything and nothing is temporary. You can revel in the regularity, the predictability, and the beauty of spring, of summer, of fall, of winter, and of spring again. Instead of being like, oh my word, I've gotta do leaves. And oh my word, I can't believe it's winter again. You can go, praise God, I don't have to mow. Right? Enjoy every season for what it is and then not be surprised that we're, we're moving on again. That's something God blesses. We can mourn death. We can lean into that without having to self-medicate just to get by. And yet we can also not fear death because we know that we will live forever. We can invest fully in the place we are right now, knowing that this might be a season and yet the things we do right now have eternal effects, even the wall color, but especially the relationships. We can draw near to God when the present is really, really hard. And we can take comfort in the fact that it won't always be. We can go on a vacation and not be more miserable than before we left. We can watch highlights of the 2016 Chicago Cubs and we can enjoy every moment of it without expecting that it's gonna bring us the happiness that it was never meant to deliver. In every season, we can appreciate that God gives sinful creatures like us these small tastes of eternity without feeling like we need to get out of them what they were never meant to do. Because church, temporary pleasures are just that. They're temporary. And yet, unlike us, God is not bound by these seasons. Every temporary joy that he gives us right now will be multiplied by infinity forever. Everything is temporary. Nothing is temporary. Everything and nothing is temporary. Church, there's a time for everything. Each season, it's good while it lasts, but all of them will be better forever. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that the Bible 
both makes this life livable. It's the only framework that works, and yet it's also true. It, it points us to a bigger reality. I pray, Lord, that you would help us this week to lower ourselves from expecting more out of this life than it was ever meant to deliver, to find peace in that and striving because of that, and yet also to have such great hope that the things we do now matter. They matter for eternity. And if life's really, really hard right now, I pray that you draw near to those dear souls who are struggling. You would give them a peace and a comfort and a joy that their sins are forgiven. Judgment day is a good day for them. Their pain will be relieved and they will know joy and they will know peace. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray, amen.